You're listening to The Curator Podcast, Season 2, Episode 14. An interview with Chris Cresswell from The Flatliners. Chris, we're moving. We are. We're fucking moving, man. Yeah, we're getting kicked <laughs> off the private road. I've never, I've never recorded in a moving van. <laughs> Spilling my beer everywhere. First time. <laughs> van stalled. Oh, I sold him out. Sorry. Oh, no. Sorry. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> how are you? I'm great. How are you? How are you? I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good. It's a bit loud. Let's turn it down a little bit. Sure. So, I'm going to start with the stock question. Do you know what I'm going to ask you first? Oh, I have no idea. How's the, how's the tour been? Ah. Ah. <laughs> oh, I'm on tour right now. All right, okay. It's been it's been great, man. I mean, me and the guys in the Flatliners are excited to be out here playing some new songs. Uh, to be back in Glasgow is always nice. It's a beautiful day, and I will say that you said that this is not like normal Glasgow. Yeah, Uncharacteristically Glasgow. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, on top of all that, to be out here with the Menzingers and the Dirty Nil is fucking sick. Uh, we've known the Menzingers dudes for a long time. Haven't toured with them in like six years, and it's really cool to see all they've done. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, you see yeah. it every night, show to show, how many people are singing along to every word. And dude, it's yeah, it's fucking rad. Yeah. Speaking of them, you not have, having not played with them for six years, I was thinking about this earlier on. Right, I've been a fan for your band probably for about ten years, <laughs> and um, like you guys have been, you guys tour a fucking lot. We do. Why? We do. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, we kind of ask ourselves that question like every couple of years. We're just like, man, we did a fucking lot. Like, why'd we do all that? It's fun. I mean, <laughs> you know, that's kind of it. Like, you, you're kind of forced to, though, to be honest. I was just kind of taking the piss. Like, it is, we have a fucking blast doing it. Um, you're kind of forced to, though. Like, in, in the sense of, like, if, if this is what you want to do with your life, if music is your life and you play in a band, you have to tour. Because... Like, if you want your band to be, like, the prominent thing you're doing with your time, let's say. Uh, just because, like, it's, it's A, way more fun than sitting around and waiting for an album to sell, because it won't. Uh, that's just the reality that we all live in now. But, I mean, things have changed, man. Like, I think, like, live music culture has just become so much more important, like, like in the last, let's say, 10 years. Just as much as it was in, like, you know, like, the 60s and 70s, when that's how you heard the music that you yeah, wanted to hear was you yeah. go to a show you know what I mean obviously you can hear fucking music from any tiny little computer box in your possession now and it's never been easier but I like the fact that it's forced bands hands let's say to tour a lot more I mean for me like I come to Glasgow and get to see you and get to see Bob and we get to go to any other city anywhere and there's usually a friend in town you know what I mean it's a really nice feeling so when you started making music and like you were very fucking young when you started. I've yeah. been did a lot of research today, man. I read a lot of interviews. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I know everything about you almost now. <laughs> yeah. Probably more than I like remember about myself. <laughs> yeah. Um But like was that the first was that, that most eye opening thing, like coming back to a city and seeing the same faces? Yes. Yeah. Um like that was like the first real grip we got, let's say, on not how it all works, but like how important it is. You know, because I think the best advice I've ever gotten from anyone, and it's not for, just from one person, it's from a lot of people, is don't be an asshole. You know, if you're doing this, you're lucky to do it. Like, it is a struggle. It's definitely a very peculiar, like, it can be a very taxing way to live. However, 
you're pretty lucky to get to do what any of us get to do, playing music and traveling around and stuff. So why be a dick about it? Because if you are a dick, the first time you go to a city, let's say, uh, and you meet a bunch of great people, but you're not in the mood or you're having a bad day or you're just an asshole, people remember that. You might not remember that, but everyone else will, right? So the next time you go back and none of those people want to talk to you, you didn't really do the right thing, you know? We've been really lucky with making a lot of great friends all over the world, and I think that the reason is because I think I think we're a pretty approachable band, um, like as far as just how we are as people. Um, and it's always been important to us to meet uh, those people that are into the band, and to just kind of try our best to like break that wall down between fan and band. Because at the end of the day, man, like there are a lot of people in the crowd watching the Flatliners play that all that are all each great at something else. Like, we're trying to be great at playing music. Like, maybe there are other things that each of us are talented in, but, like, music is the thing. Every single person that goes to a show, like, is good at something. So I just, I try my best, and I think the rest of the guys are the same, to keep in mind, like, maybe not, everyone's not here for the same reason. I mean, on Earth, like, living. But everyone's got the same end result. Just, like, success is just being happy with what you do. And if you can do it well... That'll only make you happier. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and, like, we kind of take that mentality towards, yeah, like, the fan base and just be like, hey, man, like, I'm just some fucking guy that has a guitar. I don't know. Like, it's, like, I, I also think it comes from a place, like, we've been so lucky to meet such great bands that we've grown up admiring and have shaped who we are as musicians and the kind of music that we, you know, play and all these things. And, like, 99% of those people have been very, very cool. Very welcoming, very generous, very lovely, you know, all these things. Uh, we've been, I think we've been super lucky because, I mean, 99% is pretty good. <laughs> You're still here, so you must have had some. Yeah, man. And, and hard work. And speaking of not being a dick, can we just address something? We have some beers, Chris. Yeah. Chris got me a beer. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's the first ever band to do that in all these interviews. Wow. You've interviewed a lot of assholes. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you say that, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was me. Just joking. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. Speaking of playing with heroes, man. Like, I can't. I can only imagine when I was like 15, and I couldn't have imagined when I was in a band and I wasn't a band. And obviously, I didn't. I didn't have the hard yards. I guess you guys did. But um, then you suddenly like you're on Fat Rick and like you're hanging out with Fat Mike and you're doing all that shit. And and now 15 years later, you're kind of like still fucking doing it and it's yeah. like it, it keeps getting it's like you keep going further yeah I mean like I don't know It's it's been a really gradual thing and I don't mean that in a bad way at all it's been great I mean the fat years that all, that whole thing like was such a shock and like it kind of still is you know what I mean like we grew up on no effects music and, and Lagwagon's music and no use for names music and all these bands music and then one day 19 year old Flatliners get a phone call from Fat Mike. It didn't make any sense. We didn't think we didn't think that it would go anywhere. You know what I mean? Like we hoped it would, but we had no real, um, like we weren't like fucking you know wagering anything on like the positive end of the Flatliners and Fat Records going down a long road together. You know, and the whole thing was awesome. I mean, yeah, that first tour we ever did with No Effects was. We were talking about this the other day with a friend, actually. Like, the first day, we were so, like, intimidated. You know what I mean? Just because of who they are to us, you know? Like, we are the same as any other 19-year-old, 20-year-old kid or fucking 
30 year old person like like going to a NoFX show if you have the opportunity to meet these people because they they've made such an impact with their music in your life it's an intimidating feeling but it was immediately squashed when we like met all of them we'd already met Mike and that was a huge deal uh, but like the the moment we met the crew and the rest of the band and everyone everyone was so welcoming um and I mean, they like to like corrupt people a little bit too, which is cool. Like, I'm I'm definitely into that. Like, I'm saying that with a smile on my face. Um, it was incredible. They took us everywhere. They didn't have to do that. There are like dozens of other fat bands they could have taken out, but that's what Mike does, and he's he's really good to us over the years. Everyone at Fat. I mean, it was this whole thing where we just like never realized how we got there. We were fucking 19 years old, man. Like it was weird, but in the best way. Was that like uh, was that like a dream being fulfilled then at that point? Yeah, absolutely. That was that was a childhood dream come true. Um, the first, I think it's you know like we're all born in 1987. I think at that point, God, you're younger than me. When you're <laughs> <laughs> when 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 you're that age, when the like that big punk explosion of the 90s happens, for a lot of people, it's a lot of the same bands because that's kind of that explosion was you know like those particular bands. Um, it was a lot of early fat stuff. It was a lot of early epitaph stuff that really molded our, like, kind of just shaped our uh, taste in music, you know? I had an older brother. I have an older brother. He's 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 still <laughs> kicking. He's doing great. Um, and he was, you know, like the guy, I think you always want to be as cool as your older sibling. Uh, and he was skateboarder, snowboarder. So I became a skateboarder. I became a snowboarder. And the soundtrack to those skate videos and snowboard videos were all fat and epitaph bands, all the early shit. That was it. That, it. It all kind of like culminated together into that perfect moment where he put on like a four-on-one tape and it was like, there's like a, there's a no effect song playing and then there's like a Rancid song playing and like a Bad Religion song playing and a Green Day song and all this kind of shit. And yeah, like years later, when you're sitting in a car getting this phone call from Fat Mike, like thinking it's like a prank phone call or something, you know, none of it makes sense. And you kind of have this almost feeling of like you're floating above your own body, just watching it happen. And your reaction time is slowed down because you like it's such it's, it's such like important information to be to be, uh, you know, like just taking in and processing. And it, it takes time. And I wonder if there was like a weird long pause on the phone call, you know, all these things to say, like, it was definitely a dream come true. It was insane. Yeah. And it's now led to Rise Records. It has. It has. So, yeah. How did that happen? Well, I think it honestly stems from a place where none of us thought that this thing with fat would happen. Uh, and now it's been 10 years. And that's quite the milestone. And we have made such great friendships with all those people and done so many great things with them and released a lot of music with them. And it was always easy and fun because they just do whatever the fuck the band wants to do. It's the coolest. But I think in there, it just inspired this curiosity in us to be like, well, like it kind of felt like we were at this, just as human beings, not with the band necessarily or what we do, but just as people, I think you just start to feel like, it kind of feels like there's like this other chapter. And I know that's kind of a lazy or lame way to put it potentially, but we just had this curiosity kind of burning in us. And I think the level of success we were able to reach with Fat Records was something that far exceeded our expectations because there, there weren't any. That we were wondering like, well, shit, like now maybe we could, maybe we try something else. Because especially because the people at Fat Records are so cool with that kind of shit. Um, and maybe that is this thing that like, you know, like 
we've been doing this for 15 years. Like the, we've been touring for like 12 years. We still have jobs. We still have all these things. It's not about the money, but it's about like that, like that curiosity of like just being a different kind of person than you were 10 years ago. You know what I mean? Like I, I expect that I'll always have a job like other than the band. And that's okay because I think that's what it is to be a punk band now. I think that's, that, that, that is, that's what it is to be any genre of band, but at this level now, um, but it was this curiosity to see, like, well, shit, like, they fucking did a great job for 10 years, <laughs> you know, like, helping us out and, like, taking this chance. Like, maybe there's someone that can take a chance on us now that can help us. I don't know. It's like that. It's not the next level, but it's it's you always kind of push that, like, goalpost as an artist or just as a person with, with your definition of success further. So you're always searching and fighting and working for it. Um and that's kind of where Rise came in. And I don't know if any of that makes sense, but to me it does. To us it does. And uh, it was just a thing where we really liked what they'd done with, like, like their lineup is so eclectic. And it was just like, it, it piqued our interest to be involved in a world like that. Um, and especially, like, when you, another kind of, like, fucking childhood dream coming true of, like, being able to be like, hey, Bouncing Souls, a band I loved when I was a kid. Like, how's Rise Records? Hey, Hot Water Music, a band I loved when I was a kid. And like, obviously, I still love these these two bands. To have that opportunity to go to those people and be like, because it was a pretty d- difficult decision to make uh, to go from Fat somewhere else because Fat was nothing but positive. But again, it was just that curiosity. We were just like, well, it's been fucking killer with Fat. What if? there's something else someone else can do. Like, what if there's something, like, none of us thought of trying to do? And not about the music. I just mean about, like, how to get the music out there, really. Um, But, you know, because, like, because Fat was a childhood dream come true, that's why it was a difficult decision to make. Because you don't want it to seem like you're better than that. Because you're not. (laughs) Truthfully. It's all so different now, too. I think everyone's just trying to figure it out because the like the musical landscape and like the 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 business side, the dark, greasy business end of things. Like it's just so there's such murky, difficult waters to navigate because I think the like the I think the riverbed is just constantly moving and changing direction, you know, um, because of like technology and all these kinds of things. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like we liked what they'd done with like the new like hot water stuff and the bouncing soul stuff and thought it could be a cool place to go. And we already knew them cause we did a split seven inch with make do and mend like a few months before dead language came out. And like Dave Haas has become a great friend of ours over the years. And we had all this kind of inside scoop. And I mean, Dave was a guy that went from the loved ones being on fat and then doing his solo thing. And that was his own transformation or just, you know, putting him, putting himself out there in a new way musically uh, but he, you know, he made the decision to try something new label wise. And it's, it's sensitive subject. I think for a lot of our fans, because I think a lot of people take it personally when a band they like or love changes their home. Uh, and it so happened to occur when like we put this new record out, which is, there's definitely like a different side of us on this record. It's still obviously a flatliners record, still the four of us. It's, it's the continuation of the theory that like always try something new. It's what we've always done. It's just a continuation of that theory, but I know there may be some people out there that kind of connect the dot of like, well, they left Fat and now they're on a new label and there's like some new territory on this album, so it's because of the label. And it's not. I mean, the the record was done before the label came into play, you know? Um, 
But it's an interesting world we live in with that kind of thing. And that's just how it constantly evolves because like the way you the way people take music in now is different. The way you can like any band can make an, a killer sounding record now too. Um to the point of like there are so many bands that just put their own records out now because they can. But I love the fact that there are still so many killer labels putting in that work and hoping that people fucking buy the record. Like, a label like Fat, a label like Rise, a label like Dynalone, who's put our record out in Canada, a label like Epitaph, a label like Asian Man Records, a label like Side One Dummy, or like Kayatana, our friends from Philadelphia, a great band, they have, they're putting their, their record out on their own label, Plum Records, soon. Like, all such varying degrees of like, like size of label, they're all taking a risk. Even the hugest labels in the world still take risks because no one fucking buys it anymore. So, each of those people, each of those uh, labels are going to have their mentality and their ideas towards how they're going to do it uniquely because of how difficult it is now to like be the business side of things and like sell a record, make your money back for the money you gave the band to record it and all this shit. And that's where it kind of stems from like, that, that, sorry, that's where that curiosity kind of stems from of like, I wonder how they'd do it. It's a tiny thought that you can obviously extrapolate into all these things like I just did. <laughs> it's, it's so fascinating to me now because things are like instantly in your hand. The information is instantly in your hand and all these things change. And if you really stop to think about how it really affects each label and band and each person working at that label and each person in every band, everyone's just trying to figure it out, man. Hey, now don't stop this podcast. This little interlude is only going to last about five seconds. Just take a second, if you can, to hit the subscribe button on whatever podcasting app you're using. That's it. That's all I'm going to ask. Okay, cool. So let's get back to this interview now with Chris from the Flatliners. Had you given any consideration to doing it yourself? There was, there, there's, I think, always been that in us. Um, I don't know if it comes from a place where um, we've had friends' bands that have done it and have really suggested it or just recommended that it, that it's a good thing to do because it's... It's yielded them the result they want to see. You know, they're on their varying description of success. Um, yeah. But the thing is, is I think where we thrive really after we make a record is touring. And to me and the guys, there's the knowledge that like, or, or the belief, I should say, actually, that like if you're going to put your own record out and you're going to tour for like at least a fucking year or two on it, that's so much extra work, I feel like, to put a record out on your own, even though it does become easier and easier all the time. Truthfully, it does. But it still is, like, I feel like me and the guys just kind of get, like, tour tunnel vision. You know, like, that's what we're doing. Like, the record's done, now we're hitting the road, and then after, like, a year of touring, you start to, like, put new songs together, and then you're off the road, and now you're in the studio. It's always, like, this very tight focus on what you're doing. And I think that if you try to roll in the Flatliners touring all the time and putting out their own record, it would be a fucking mess. <laughs> I think so. And it's not like we like we like to fun on tour as well and all these kinds of things. Like I think there would be a lot of things like left at the at the wayside. You don't want yeah. to be sitting there like fucking have to think about when the next shipment of CDs is going to arrive. And like, Dude, exactly. Fuck. <laughs> exactly. You know, there, there are all these tiny little things like you know to like expose the the inner workings of touring like that already exists with merch and equipment and there's all these fine details every single day that pop up even like where you're going to set up gear in the venue that day all this kind of shit like i mean these are all like tiny things but when you're on tour like it's a, it's a very strange way to live so you get like all these small decisions seem to 
they're your entire world almost. So they seem to be so much more important. And yeah, I think if you put another layer on top of like, like the distributor in Australia needs this and this and this, you're like, fuck, like we play in five minutes. I don't want to think about that when we're on stage. You know what I mean? All that kind of shit. I think it all kind of affects everything else. It's a good argument for having those people to organise shit for you because it, is, it can be a total... I mean, I ran a label for a bit myself and mm-hmm. it was a fucking nightmare. Was it? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I didn't enjoy doing it. I didn't enjoy I mean, it, you know. it's, like I said, a label of any size these days, I have the utmost respect for it. No matter what kind of music they're putting out, whatever it is, just because, like, it's a lot of work. And I think it's a lot of work that a lot of folks who aren't privy to that side of things don't realise. Um, and everyone does it differently. You know what I mean? And I think that's the coolest thing is that, like, there's no, like, I'm sure, like, a label like, fuck, like, I don't know, fucking Cap, like, yeah, like Columbia Records or Geffen or, like, some major, like, that's, like, some titan that's been around forever could write a book, like, how to run a label. And you could, you could probably, like, use a lot of those chapters to your benefit, but there's always going to be a part of that book where you read, you're like, I don't fucking get this. Like, no, that would never work for me. Because it's up to the people. Like, the way a label operates and, and the music that a label puts out, it really is a reflection of the people that run that label. You know what I mean? Like, there's a reason why, like, for instance, like a fat wreck uh, uh, situation, like, uh, like it, you're hard-pressed to talk to a band that's left fat to go somewhere else that aren't like, yeah, it was a bummer. Like, it was hard. It was, like, a hard decision to make. You know what I mean? Like, you're hard pressed to find that band um, because the people that run that label are so cool. It's like probably the same for a lot of labels, you know, but um, yeah, like, I mean, just broad strokes, like being in a touring band outside of like the million minute details that tend to make up your entire world. It also affects you in a way where you're focusing so intently on like intensely on these things. And then you also have a life at home. You know what I mean? Like that you, like you have a family, if you have a partner, I mean, like, most of us do have partners like at home and it's, they've been with us for a long time. And like, it's kind of like, this is kind of all they know about us is like, yeah, he fucking leaves half the year. <laughs> but they're so like beautifully supportive of it all. Um, it's like I've put up with your shit for so long. Yeah. Please don't add more shit to that. So yeah. But like, so, so not, not only do you have all these things day to day that you're figuring out on tour and it's just like moment to moment to moment, you're kind of living like two lives because then you have all the things you're, you you want to keep in touch with, all the people back home and all these things. And it's it can just be, it can truthfully be a very exhausting way to live. Um, and I mean, it's super fun, but I think as you do it longer and longer, more and more, you realize like what you're always really searching for is like the balance mm-hmm. and it's almost never going to present itself. You know, I'm a bit conscious of time, uh, and there's so much more I want to ask you, but I really want to get to inviting light. Yeah, uh, sure, yeah. Um, does it sound different to you? To me, it doesn't. Like it, it does, but it the process is so gradual for the band. You know what I mean? So it's not this like stark difference that I that I know that some people uh, feel or hear. Um, I mean, you got to consider the fact that for two years or three years we've been working on these songs I mean we recorded some of that shit in 2015 man like some of that record we recorded like way back you know like we did it in a few chunks because that's it's kind of proven to be the best way for us to work like we did the same thing for Cavalcade the same thing for Dead Language and it sounds coherent so obviously it works thank you yeah I mean like I think it just stems from a place in us where we, we work on it so closely 
and then you mix it, you master it, all these things, and then you, and then if you can, that this is a huge reason as to why there's always these big break, uh, big big uh, chunks of time between albums for us, is that we like consciously wait, we record this, and then we don't listen to it for a while, then we come back, and then when we come back, it's also why we always have extra songs, when we come back, and we, if we still really love what we hear, then that. Those songs that we love still hearing make the record. The ones that we're like, I don't know, those don't make the record. And then we'll, and then sometimes we'll go back. I mean, like again, like the last few records, like we'll go back and record more ideas because in that time, this past, more ideas come up. You keep and, changing as a person as well. Well, that's that's the other thing. Like we've kind of grown up on record, which is an interesting way to live, I guess. Like we started this when we were fourteen, fifteen, released the first record when we were sixteen. Now we're twenty nine. Like, all, we all turned 30 this year. Like, it's a weird thing to kind of grow up on record. Think of a person you know, and you don't see them for, like, you know them so well. And you don't see them for, like, two, three years. You don't talk to them for two, three years. But you remember the last conversation you had with them, and it was so great. You don't see them for two, three years. The first time you talk to them or see them, they're going to be a different person. You're going to be a different person. Now, if you attach that logic to an artist of any kind, that is so, so powerfully distilled in the art they make. So if it's music, like I, I can imagine someone, a fan of the band listening to Dead Language the night before Inviting Light came out in anticipation and being like, cool. And then hearing Inviting Light the next day and be like, oh, shit, like, like, just like this is different. I totally understand that. But I think we've done that every time. We've tweaked it a little bit every time. I mean, I don't know if this one is way more, but to us, it's obviously what we want to do because we put it out. <laughs> the, the way you answer that question leads me to believe that you've perhaps heard from other people that it's a bit different. I mean, even from friends, they'd be like, yeah. oh shit, this is, like, that's what I mean, yeah, like, there's, like, even friends we'd show, they'd be like, what? Okay, like, it's, it it hasn't been, like, a bewildering thing, like, what do you mean? Like, how is it so different? Like, you feel it shifting, but, like, we felt it shift every time, you know what I mean? Like, you grow as musicians, you grow as songwriters, you grow as a band, you grow as people, um, and we always want to try some new shit, because it keeps it really fresh. I mean, now, on this tour, it's super fun to play these new songs because we obviously play songs from almost every one of our other records, too. And it's a, it just, for us, in the band, it creates this really fun mix of music to play. Um, and, yeah, I mean, like, I fucking, I'm, we're all psyched on the record, and, I mean, I just, I know it's where we want to be, and I know that's where we should be. So, I'm psyched. <laughs> well, Chris, it's been a total pleasure to talk to you and to finally... Say hi again. Yeah, man. Um, is there anything you want to say or anything you want to ask me before we finish? Well, what is Iron Brew exactly? Nobody knows. No one knows. Nobody this is why knows. I ask. No one knows. It's just... It's always... I always get a different answer. It's Iron Brew flavor. Like... That's what it is. It's like... Some people say it's like Gatorade. Some people say it's an energy drink. No, it's not. Some people say that it's... It's like a version of Coke. Some people say it's like the best thing to mix with like vodka. Oh, God, No. No. It that goes, person was dead wrong. It goes, okay. it goes flat immediately, and it just tastes like you might. Okay. You might like it. I've had it before. I just yeah. mean the only reason I ask because every time I ask someone mm -hmm. from Scotland, because I believe it's the only place you can get it in the world, is it not? Yeah, uh, it's not. You know, but you can't. We can't sell it to America. Okay, yeah, yeah. but like the stuff that's inside it. Oh, so, interesting. Um, one of the one of the food colorings, apparently, you can get it in Russia. <laughs> They make it They're so careful. You can't bring this food color yeah. into exactly. America. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, but do you like it? That's the question. I had it the first time we ever came to Scotland, and I was like, huh. And that was it. Like, I, I like, it, like neither good or bad, but that was my entire experience. I had, like, a whole can or bottle of it or whatever. 
And I was like, okay. And I've never gone back. But I every time we're here, I see it, and I always ask, like, what the fuck is it? And everyone's like, I don't know. It's basically like, it's basically our version of cocoa, almost. Like, okay. it's, it's a Scottish fizzy drink. Okay. Soda. I guess. Okay. Soda pop, I suppose you'd probably call it. Um, man, it's awesome. I drink it. I'm like 90% Iron Brew. As a, as a <laughs> Instead of water, it's yeah, Iron Brew now. Uh, yeah. Well, I have Good to drink more water now because I find, I find that it's, it's getting to me. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, those heart palpitations are because of the Iron Brew. Yeah, I can wake yeah. up like thinking I'm having a heart attack in the night. Like, what the fuck? And then you have a sip of it and you're like, oh, a little tibble of Iron Brew and just sets First you straight in the morning. Like, yeah. fucking give me that bottle. Oh, man. yeah, man. Just those rickety nerves just yeah. get smoothed right out. I hear this wasn't being alcoholic so really yeah <laughs> jesus christ you gotta quit that shit man i'm worried about you but yeah chris thank you so much it's my pleasure. pleasure thank you cheers man there you have it really nice interview with chris i hope you enjoyed that as much as i did he's a lovely guy and i could talk to him for hours and hours and hours on end maybe one day we'll do a joint podcast who knows but yeah new album's really good a bit different as you may have gathered from my conversation towards the end of the interview but I really like it and I hope you do too they're on Rise Records now which is obviously a huge thing for them so I wish them every single success that they can possibly get in future that's all for this episode thank you very much for listening if you could take a second to rate and review this podcast on iTunes I would really appreciate that 